Welcome to the Bird's Eye View Podcast. I'm Jeff McLean here along with uh, Paul Domowich and Les Bowen. Howdy, howdy. Hey, guys. Hey, Domo. Thanks for joining the Bird's Eye View Podcast, the Inquirer's Eagles Podcast. Guys, the Eagles are 0-2-1. You don't say. And while that puts the Eagles in a bit of a bind, Look at the NFC East, and well, they're still in this thing, and they're probably going to be in this thing for quite a while. Um, but let's let's start first off with Doug's decision. Obviously, we've gone over it ad nauseum in print, but I think I'd like to hear your explanations of, of what you guys thought Doug should have done. Les, you've you've spent a lot of time on on this. Let's start with you. Well, I, there were two options to me uh, when uh, Matt Pryor took that uh, false start penalty and and turned a 59-yard field goal attempt into a 64-yarder. One, you could have Jake Elliott try a 64-yarder. He hit from 61 to beat the Giants three years ago. Uh, you know, I, it's not it's certainly not impossible for him to hit from 64. Two, you could go for it on fourth and 12, which certainly is not impossible either. Uh, Doug's reasons for not doing that in the moment were that the the Bengals would get the ball back if he failed on either uh, scenario and that they might be able to get within field, better field goal range and, and win the game. But really the Bengals had gained 12 yards in overtime and 12 snaps and Joe Burrow had been sacked three times and they would have had, they had no timeouts. They would have had less than 15 seconds on the clock after the, the Eagles ran a fourth down play. Uh, I didn't see their chances of doing that as being so overwhelming that it would have deterred me from trying to win the game. And I was amazed that he did. Well, he came out the next day and, and pretty much. Yeah, but that's a little late. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, I agree. Um, Damo, what was your take? Well, I mean, I, I disagree with what he did. Uh, I can only imagine what was going through his head was, while there would have been very little time left if uh, they missed a field goal from there or uh, tried it and went uh, an incompletion, the Jiro Bur- Burrow could have thrown a Hail Mary and the Bengals have the tallest wide receiving crew in the league. Yeah. And he was, that was the only thing he could think of, or that's what they were telling him. Um, again, I disagree with it. And again, I think too much is being made of it. Uh, uh, more needs to be made of the fact that they just sucked. I mean, yeah, yeah. how'd they get in that situation? I agree. Uh, I agree. So anyway, that's my take. What do you think, um, you know, what do you think this says about Doug and his confidence in his team and just about him overall in terms of his aggressiveness or lack thereof? I mean, this is a coach that obviously we all, you know, this has been, kind of used, but, uh, you know, his book is named Fearless. We saw him in 2017 be more aggressive than any coach in the NFL, and, it's, and he's been kind of one of the top guys in that regard over the last few years. Has Doug lost his way? Is he just kind of not feeling it, or is it just – does this say more about his trust in his team? Well, in this, in this particular game, I really think – the one thing I didn't say about the end of the game is – the the, poss- the outside possibility that the Bengals could somehow have won that game in overtime after he went for it or, or tried to kick a field goal, 
I think he felt that would have been so devastating to be 0-3 and, and to have lost to the Bengals. Uh, I think that probably influenced his thinking. He didn't used to be like that. I remember his first year with the Eagles when the Eagles weren't good, it, uh, let alone 2017 when they could, they could take these gambles because they paid off over and over and over again. In 2016, we remember we used to get on him because that was before analytics really made it clear that going forward on fourth down was was a pretty solid move, especially if you're near midfield, so on and so forth. We were astounded that the coach of a bad team would would go for it as much as he did on fourth down. I remember one in Dallas in particular that we uh, that contributed to a loss that we were really fired up about and. His answer was, you know, this is how this is the the atmosphere he wants to establish. This is the culture he wants for his team. And that was the part of it that amazed me the most, I think, uh, Sunday was what he was telling his team. And uh, I and then the players that they picked to Zoom with us afterward stood behind him. They were all guys that are Doug guys and they weren't going to say I kind of press Brandon Graham on it, you know, like. He's telling you that your defense is so bad that you're going to give up points, you know, with 15 seconds left in an overtime. Um, I, I, I don't know what it, it – it says Doug doesn't have the confidence in this roster maybe. I think Marcus Hayes wrote about that today. Uh, and it says, you know, Doug has some, some real uh, doubts about what he's trying to do. Tomo? I – I think he's got too many cooks in the kitchen. Uh, he reshaped this, this, his offensive coaching staff. And I have no idea what half these guys do. I think he's probably got too many people in his ear. Uh, and, and, and it's, it seems to have paralyzed his thinking. Um, there's no creativity in this offense right now. There's no misdirection. I mean, we watched yesterday. I mean, you watch on Sunday, every team's using a ton of misdirection now. But, you know, the Rams beat them with misdirection. Yeah. And, and these guys use very little of it. I, I don't understand that. Uh, you know, so I, I think that's a big problem with, with, with his play calling right now. I mean, he, granted, he's, he's limited by, you know, by the people he's missing, both, uh, both at the skill positions and injury-wise on the offensive line. But still – um, you know, he should be able to do more. He should be able to be more creative at this point. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, certainly I, I want to delve into the personnel, but I, I agree with you. I mean, it's sometimes when you're watching these other games, and I was watching all of the Chiefs and the Ravens last night, and look, they have better personnel in almost every skill position the Chiefs yep. do, certainly. But that being said, there's just so much more imagination in these, these plays and, you know, Doug's just, I mean, like, look, their first play on Sunday was a shot play to Deshaun and it was just basically him running a double move, you know, a stop and go route. And it was just, they had single high man and, you know, the, the, on the other side, the other receiver wasn't even running kind of a a route to draw the, the single high safety away from, from Deshaun, it basically, you know, it was an underneath route, which I guess could have gotten him to bite, but it's, it's like, this was the play that you spent all week saying, okay, we're going to come out and dazzle him with this baby. And to me, it was just, just pretty pedestrian. And look, Deshaun kind of stumbled a little bit, which goes 
we'll yeah. talk about him too. He just doesn't look like the Deshaun of past. And if, now he has got the hamstring injury. Um, but just, just, just the creativity is lacking. Yeah. I mean, they brought in, you know, they, they brought in Hurts uh, for, for, what, three plays. Uh, he, he, he finally, they ran an option with him, which was successful. I'll, I'll grant them that. And then they, you know, and the jet, jet sweep was, was another new wave play that they tried. And that just completely backfired because you're missing Goddard. You got Richard Rodgers out there and he completely blows his assignment. Uh, yep. and, and, and it turns into a six yard loss. But, uh, you know, again, I don't know why they're not using more misdirection. Well, you know, let's. I guess some of it has to do with personnel. I mean, you have Greg Ward and Deshaun running these jets, you know, these motion jet motion sweeps, and it's just like, are you scared about either of those guys with the ball in their hands? Well, Deshaun, you should be, but uh, yeah. well, no, I mean, I mean, in terms of speed, but he he doesn't run it very well anymore. I mean, he just kind of in terms of break, you know, like you got to be able to break tackles if you're a jet sweep guy yeah. too. Yeah, well, and he just. If you get the ball in Ward's hands on a jet sweep, you, you know the advantages that you have over other teams that run it is you got an ex quarterback with it in his hands, uh, which you know which presents some possibilities. Yeah. Assuming they could ever get to the outside with a damn jet sweep, which well, yeah, I mean, they can. right, and, and or the or the bubble screens they've ran, teams have kind of seen. You know, they sometimes they don't have them blocked up correctly. Uh, it seems like teams have really gotten into the whenever they do run a misdirection screen. There was one that Miles they had ske- you know schemed up, and the left end just totally read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're watching you know Andy Reid, who's one of the best at, at drawing up screens, but you just watch the Kansas City screens, and you're just like, geez. I mean, the but Doug used to date not too long ago. They were one of the best screen game teams in the league. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you still have Jason Kelsey. You still have lane guys, athletic guys who can get out there and block. You still have Miles Sanders. You know, I'm wondering if they're tipping the plays. I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, the offensive line is right. I think it's going to get better. I mean, the guards will get better. I hope I hope for their sake they get better. Uh, but I think that's a problem. You know, there's not a lot of confidence that, that what, you know, I think Doug's one of Doug's problems is he doesn't have confidence that if he runs something – those guys are going to, are going to, are going to, you know, are going to complete their assignment and block the person they're supposed to block. Right. Well, I mean, look, you know, they have been injuries and, and they envisioned Rager filling some of these roles, but you're still relying on a rookie. And and this is when I'm going to go back to the personnel mm-hmm. decisions that how he made this off season. Yeah. Yes. The two leading, I think the number three and four leading receivers. Now the number one receiving leading receiver in the NFL is Deandre Hopkins. Stefan Diggs is like third or fourth in, in yards. You know, we've heard the explanations why they didn't go in that direction. And I, you know, look, I, I don't think it, it's as black and white as maybe some people say. You do have to kind of build for the future. But why couldn't you have had DeAndre Hopkins and Jalen Rager? Well, it's it's the way they do things so much. They just it, they get an idea, and like anything that doesn't fit with that idea, then, then it suddenly this was the year to get younger. Well, you know, maybe you could have thought about that last year or the year before, after you won the Super Bowl. You know, I mean, it 
there a lot of people would have figured out a way i think to get to do that but it's like no 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 we, we're getting younger this is our this is our message younger younger you know and uh it, i they needed to do something like that i mean like i said last week i picked them as an eight and eight team coming into this i didn't see where they were going to be real good uh and that, this is not a year to depend on a bunch of rookies and that already you know, with all the injuries they've had, that's already up in flames. They're asking Jason Peters to play left tackle again and, you know, Deshaun and, and all this stuff. Uh, you know, it's uh, it, it it really does have a lot to do with personnel. And I think fans should realize that and understand that much more than uh, it has to do with, you know, uh, some of the failings of these guys that are being put in positions that they can't really succeed in. Uh, you know, we talked about this last week and, or the week before I'm, I'm not going to kill him for the Hopkins, not going after Hopkins. I just don't see how that there was any way they could do that. Uh, you know, I mean, the, what, what, what's triggered all of this is the fact that they have a quarterback that's got a $34 million cap number uh, going forward. And a tw- and a defensive tackle with a twenty two million dollar cap number, uh, I mean they've made you know it it's been there going back to Andy it's been their approach that we're going to put all our you know most uh, a large percentage of our cap money into our offensive and defensive lines. Uh, they've continued that with Howie. Um, you know you certainly we can question him on 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 his selections and his decisions there. Uh, I don't have as much a problem as Les does with the philosophy. Uh, I mean, they had to get younger and, and, and the coronavirus has changed everything because next year is going to be a year like no, I mean, they didn't, no one in the league expected that. And that, you know, that was the year they were going to kind of, it was going to be a bump in the road and now it's a, it's more than a bump. So, but Donna, they got, they got younger, right. And they're still one of the most expensive and old teams in the NFL. It's just amazing to me that you could still, you're, you're still trying to, you say you're getting younger, but you're still old and you're still yeah. spending a lot of money and we can't just dis- dis- discount really. I think maybe the bigger reason, the bigger salary cap implication of not going after Deandre Hopkins is the ton of money that you've dumped in your, in Alshon Jeffrey and Des- Deshaun Jackson. And those are two bad contracts. Deshaun yeah. Jackson has those been a con- terrible. Those contracts will be gone next year. Uh, yeah. But I'm but, saying, but, but, you know, yeah, but the, but that that Alshon, no Alshon's contract, he's they're still going to be on the on the hook for money next year, and that that contract's an anvil, and, and that's I mean how he gets all this credit for being the salary cap genius, but sometimes I don't see it. I think he's pretty yeah. good at negotiations, but I don't know. I mean, Vinny Curry, the deal that he gave him three years ago was was terrible. Uh, the Fletcher Cox deal, and Fletcher Cox is a great player, but but Cox. They got him. He got him big time in that deal. Um, that deal still mm-hmm. holds up, and it shouldn't at this point. And yeah. they're not going to be able to get, get out of it next year. Look, I, mean, I, I don't want to go down the Cox uh, yeah. road too much because he's still a great player. Well, I'll but, go down a little bit in that what you saw, he played well Sunday. Yeah. What difference did it make? You know, I mean, a defensive tackle, unless he's just right. best defensive tackle ever, doesn't isn't a needle mover it's not something you need to pay 13 or 14 million dollars a year for you know well they, 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 not a, just him they, a, malik jackson and javon hargrave they've dumped so yeah. much money into yeah. that position 
And I'm going to disagree with you guys there. I mean, I, I think it's a very valuable position in today's NFL because that's no, where, it is. That's, that's where you want. That's where you want your pass rush to come from. Uh, is it? There? Yeah, because then you're. I mean, you get. What's the shortest line to the quarterback, Les? I'm not talking about theory. I'm talking about what they're actually doing on the field. Well, I mean, they 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 pressured the hell out of Joe Burrow on Sunday. What the the least of their problems was their pass rush. In fact, it kept them in the game. Uh, I run, well, I wouldn't say that, but I mean, they're, they're, they're secondary. Just let them down. Uh, yeah. Now, you know, we, we can talk about, and Darius, and, and the irony there is Darius Slate played well. He took out A.J. Yeah. Green. Uh, nobody yeah, so else, everybody else in the secondary. Nobody else in that stinks. secondary played worth a damn. That's uh, true. I, I mean, I just, uh, you know, I mean, I don't have a problem with them spending money on the defensive tackles. And I find myself, I'm, it, I'm, it, I'm not real happy that I'm, I'm defending Howie yeah. Roseman because I'm not. <laughs> he's made some bad decisions here, which is why he's been forced to bring back people like Vinnie Curry and Deshaun Jackson and, uh, yes. and all that. I mean, there's a, I think you got, there's a distinction between how well you manage a cap and how well you evaluate talent. And yeah. that, that, that line, yeah. is, it, you know, that's the problem. Well, Jeff wrote a few weeks ago about, you know, the, the, the key to all this is they had all the, they had those years where they didn't have very many draft picks and each you know they had two years in a row where they had five selections, which is the fewest they've had since eight, 1989. Mm-hmm. And they said going in, Hey, these are huge selections. We can't miss. And they missed. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they have not drafted well. well- uh, you Go back uh, through most of this decade under whatever yeah. circumstances, you know. <laughs> well, the two thousand era, the whole thing, uh, the last years of Andy. Uh, yeah, the two thousand seventeen you know, draft is going to be to Howie right now. It is right now what the two thousand ten and two thousand eleven drafts were to, to to the Andy regime. I mean, they drafted two cornerbacks in the second and third round, which if they had if they had been players, if they were right on those players. Right, they'd be in really good position right now. I mean, they'd have yeah. a pass rush. They would have people that could cover with with Slay, along with Slay. And what do they? Yeah. Ha- what do they? Uh, and Sidney Jones and 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 Rasul Douglas are long gone. How, yeah, yeah, how he shouldn't escape culpability for those drafts either, because he was the general manager and now, and he had final say. But how he was involved in the 11, 10, 11 drafts. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, if I could just chime in real quick on the defensive tackle point. No, Dom, I agree with you. Defensive tackle is, is important. You got to push that pocket. But I just think it's disproportionate the amount of money that they've invested in that position. And they've had to invest more in that position because they haven't been able to get it right, completely right at end because with Derek Barnett. Now, Barnett had two sacks on Sunday. I get that. One was against a tight end. He beat a tight end. Big deal. Um, But, you know, like, so I feel like they've had to kind of compensate for some of the failures they've had at end. I think Josh Sweat's a good pick for a fourth rounder. BG is still a a good quality player. I mean, they they have one of the better defensive lines in the league. There's no doubt about it, but it has to dominate every week because of that scheme. And because again, as we pointed out, there are so much, still so many liabilities in the secondary. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, and I think Darius Slay is going to help them out and they finally figured out the top cornerback thing, but they really, they really failed. I think at safety and, you know, Nickel, 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 Roby Coleman got demoted by week three. This was your big slot sign. Right, right. And Cravon looked better to me out there. Now, Nickel was still playing a little bit in the dime. Yeah. But, you know, what does that tell you about that signing? Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Exactly. Mills is all over the place. He just he's not a bad player. He makes some plays, but he also makes some bad plays. Just terribly inconsistent. And Rodney McLeod hasn't really showed up. Um, yeah. So yeah, it looked like Rodney was declining last year, and you were kind of because he's such a great guy. I mean, you know, he's he, there was a big thing last week. He got an NFLPA award for some of his charity work, but boy, I I'm not seeing much out of him this year at all, frankly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't want to focus too much on the defense because I think for the most part they they held their own and they res, they responded uh, after a terrible performance against the Rams. Um, that D line did generate eight sacks, and and Joe Burrow is a rookie, but you know he escaped a number of would be sacks too as well. So you know the D line did a did a good job, um, but yeah, the the issues at linebacker with Nate Gary still still struggling terribly out there, and I think at safety are just going to hurt this team, this defense moving on. But let's let's just jump back to the offense and the personnel decisions. Um, you know they're so. It looks sounds like Deshaun is probably not going to be able to play Sunday, maybe, but who knows at this point? I yeah. mean, you know, right? It's a hamstring injury. How many soft tissue injuries have he has he had over the last ten years? Yeah. Uh, do they want to push him? Uh, it took only three games for for him to have an injury like this. Dallas Goddard's going to be out. I just found out while we're doing this recording that he has a fracture in his ankle, not yeah. a sprain. So we don't know when he's going to be back. I don't think it's going to be like that sounds ominous, but I don't think it's going to be super long for him to be out. Um, he's just, yeah, if it's a small fracture, that's not as bad as a high ankle sprain. Right. He'll, he'll probably just have to play play through it at some point. But what does that leave you? Right. And that, you know, that, that you know, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside only played 19 snaps or whatever, 18 snaps. Now the Eagles said that he did something to, to himself before the game, but he's still out there and he still didn't see any targets. Right. And John Hightower wasn't doing much of anything. You know, Greg Ward was the best receiver. So it's going to be like what we saw last week. Greg Ward, Zach Ertz, and Miles Sanders. Yep. Yep. I mean, you have no receivers down the field. Yep. Well. They're, they're basically <laughs> back where they were in 2016. And yeah. where they were last year down the stretch, you know. Uh, it's Yeah. It's 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 remarkable. It really is that you can put yourself in this position, but uh, that's what they did. Well, your speed your speed suddenly becomes Deontay Burnett. Um, I guess uh, you know yeah. I mean, the fact that you know. I mean, I, I got to say, I, I I really thought JJ would have. I thought he would rebound this year, especially with Aaron Moorhead as the as the wide receivers coach, a guy who played sim, you know a similar type of player. The JJ is a uh, tall guy, 50-50 balls. I, I thought if anybody could get to him and, and kind of turn him around, it would be Moorhead. Um, and maybe that will happen eventually. But, I mean, they need him now, and that ain't happening. Well, it yeah. sounds like they make it Alshon back. Uh, <laughs> we, we've all been ripping him off. You know, for nearly a year. I, I can't wait to see how – I saw some uh, video from practice last week, the first day. And he got off the line about like I would, you know. <laughs> I, I was amused by there was like a there was a report a couple of weeks ago about Alshon. He's he feels as great as he has, whatever. He lost fifteen pounds, and like why was a receiver fifteen pounds overweight in the first place? Or well, he probably that, wasn't. He probably just is desperately trying to get a step back, you know. 
Yeah. But my point, but he's never, he's always been a little soft, I think, for a receiver, you know, like. Yeah, okay. I don't, I mean, like, when you see him walk, I mean, I'm not trying to. Yeah. He's not jacked like most receivers. So, you know, I always thought, felt like Alshon was able to get by with his natural ability, didn't push right. it as much as other guys. And because he could out-jump guys and, and that, you know, be a physical receiver, that's his thing. But, you know, it's funny if Alshon Jeffrey to the rescue Yeah. on Sunday. You know, we, is, go ahead. Go ahead. Just in light of everything, just on and off the field. Yeah. I, mean, I just can't imagine, though, that he's he's been out since last December. If he's going to come in and have a big game against the 49ers, uh, that'll be a nice story. <laughs> I'll be a great story. I'll give you a segue to the QB. I mean, we can talk all we want about the wide receivers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and and, yeah. and, I, and I love these people that, that say, oh, no, it's oh, everybody's blaming it on Carson. He had a running back that had a three-yard separation on a linebacker yeah. Sunday and blew it. I mean, that you just don't make those mistakes if you're a if you're a legitimate NFL quarterback. You can't. That was a touchdown. That was the game. There was no overtime if he if 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 they make that completion. Uh, and you know, and there's been more of that. I mean, there's been the, you know the the back shoulder fade that turned into an interception when he threw it to Ertz. Uh, I mean, it's yeah. just, if they don't straighten out their quarterback. It nothing really matters, and I and I wonder also what he's seeing because again he defended that first interception, the one that was bad at the line, and and you know it's hard to predict what would have happened there, but I watched the coaches film just now of it, and it sure looked like even if it wasn't tipped, either There's the three Bengals there, what's that? There's three Bengals there. Yeah, it looked like either the linebacker was still going to get to it underneath, or the or the safety over top of Deshaun. And then there's a cornerback that was right there too. He probably, you know, um, I don't think he would have gotten there, but I, I don't know if Carson can fit that in that window there. Uh, and then there's other times when they're scheming open guys and he's not throwing it to them. Uh, that to me is a major issue. Look, Doug hasn't done a yeah. great job of scheming guys open this, this season, but they have done it at times. There was right. one play right before the interception to Ertz where they rolled him out. And Hightower was open. This is a naked boot. And Carson just ended up throwing it at Greg Ward's feet. Yeah. I, he, he's just seeing ghosts out there, it seems like. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, you know, what Damo said to lead off here about people not, uh, not wanting to blame Wentz because of everything else that's going on. A couple years ago, I was in that camp, and I think it was justified. But this is going to be his 60th career start. Sunday night in San Francisco, it's time, while it isn't optimal to have the offensive line in chaos and no wide receivers and all that stuff, when you get a chance like the one Damo mentioned, you have to hit it now. You know, there's not any, you know, everybody else is on fire and you can't expect the quarterback to to bail him out. Now you can, really. I mean, that's that's what he's being paid the big bucks for. And uh, I don't get it. I thought what Doug said yesterday was kind of alarming. I mean, it might work, but unclutter his mind. Yeah, you want to you want to dumb things down and go to a more a simpler plan rather than a more innovative one uh, to try to keep him from getting paralyzed by indecision. Uh, I can't imagine why that would be the case. I mean, he's not stupid. I have no idea why this would be a problem uh, right now in 2020. Let me, ask sure. you, let me ask you guys something. And, and I thought this was absurd when, when Les suggested it on draft day. Uh, and I'm, now I'm not so sure. I mean, is he being completely skeeved out by, uh, 
by the rookie quarterback? I mean, has it, has it gotten into his head? Is I mean, I, I wa- there's there's no contact with, whatsoever with the two of them on the sideline. Uh, you know, he stick, strictly sticks with Sudfeld when he's talking to another quarterback. I'm just, I'm just wondering if this guy has gotten to him. Yeah, uh, you know, Les and I talked about this after the game, and there's been some murmurs, you know, like that I've heard a little bit about, but we'll never know. I mean, I think only Carson knows. But I will say this. He looks like a quarterback that is looking over his shoulder by the way he's playing. And whether that's true or not, the Eagles have basically – created this monster by, you know, I know Dama, you were in favor that hurts, but this is one of the reasons why now you could say, Oh, well, well, this, the fact that Carson can't handle it tells them all they need to know about, about Wentz. And this was a test, but I don't see why you need to put Carson in this situation when you have so many other needs, when you don't even know about Jalen Hurts' future it could be years before we know if he's, if he's able to play the position uh, we've gone on, we know all the arguments against drafting hurts, but I always felt like that was a, an important one of just having, bringing in a guy that when you spend so much on him, a second round pick that it could fool with the guy that you just gave all this money to. He's only 27 years old. Everyone's like, well, Aaron Rodgers can handle it with, you know, Jordan love. I said, I thought to myself, well, Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers is 36, 37 years old. Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. You know, there, there's yeah. still no doubt. He didn't know in that. No one in that, no one who follows that team's questions Aaron Rodgers. But there's still a lot of questions about Carson Wentz, and in this town, it's very tough to play. And you're just giving fans and the media and other people more reason to doubt him. Yeah. So I don't know if it's true or not. Les, what do you think by his play? Do you feel like this is something that's that's possible? Well, first, I'd be I'd be very disappointed in him if that were the case. I, I yeah. think you do have to handle it if your team does that, but. Yeah, this is what I've been saying since draft day is you just don't do that. I mean, who has ever done that with a 27-year-old franchise quarterback? You know, who has ever gone out and drafted a quarterback in the second round? And I really think they – It hasn't were- happened for many, many years. It, it, I think, you know, it happened with um, Steve Walsh, I guess, but that was a little different. But go on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it – you – Second round, I mean, you needed so many things. Uh, you've, you've talked about Jeremy Chin, who's playing very, very well with the Panthers right now. That's who they would have drafted. Yeah, and I, they, they had this idea. I think they were blinded by their own, and you know, smart, uh, we'll do something smart here. They wanted a cheap backup quarterback uh, on a rookie deal because of this cap situation. But what ended up happening was veteran quarterbacks ended up signing very cheaply uh, other places. They could have found somebody to back up. You know, James Winston. James Winston signed for nothing for the with right. the uh, Saints. Yeah, but this isn't this isn't about this year. I mean, they they drafted this kid in case we see more injuries from Carson. In case they get to twenty twenty three, and they've decided, yeah, we're going to cut cut bait here and we believe in this kid and but that is a bizarre who drafts for three years down the road yeah uh, uh they they do uh well how i mean i mean you i mean how he sure has the, a lot of uh you know cushion the, here this is the, like how he's next lifeboat the, that's what this is the, pro- the, pro- the problem is here you've got a quarterback with franchise talent and i'm talking about Wentz, 
and and you don't know whether you know whether he's going to get hurt again next week uh and and i think that spawned that that kind of kick-started everything with their thinking they i mean the guy has yet to play uh, more than 10 minutes of a playoff game in you know in, in his career and they just felt it and and then i think they They're were not getting they were completely playoffs. intrigued they were completely intrigued by you know by the running thing um so yeah. Uh, well, they're know. not getting. They're probably not getting into the playoffs. And even if they get the playoffs, they're going to lose in the first. If they somehow mm-hmm. manage to win a terrible NFC, it's just, it's just. I just, I still think it's just cocky, Mamie, uh thinking. Uh, it was just Howie's hubris and, yeah. you know, well, quarterback they, factory. A, they can't even. What? They can't even develop their franchise quarterback in this, their right. quarterback factory. Yeah. More. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one thing Damo said there really caught my ear, which is true that. There's this trend, and obviously you saw last night's game with uh, Baltimore and, and Kansas City. I mean, Hertz is the kind of – if he turns out to be what they think he is, which most, most NFL teams didn't see that in him, uh, you know, that's the coming wave in the NFL. Or these yeah. incredibly mobile, uh, strong-armed quarterbacks. But it that's – not where you, you have this other kind of guy, you know, it's, it's who is mobile and who is strong armed and whom you traded half the world for and have given $128 million to, and, you know, you might just have to sit this trend out, you know, I mean, but, 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 and then, but we go back here to the point and that you made that you'd be very disappointed if this is what's causing this. I mean, yeah, I, I God, I mean, it just, it's inexplicable that, but you know, I mean, the, the problem is everybody thinks NFL players are just, you know, nothing can, can bother them. You know, they're just these big, huge and vulnerable people. And, right. and, and I mean, there are a lot of guys looking over their shoulder in this league and letting it bother them no matter what they say. And, yeah. and you know, I, I don't know if that's what's happening here, but I just wanted to—I wanted your your guy wanted to find out what you guys thought right now. Look, I, I won't claim to be to know Carson very well. Um, He's—I don't he's think always, anybody does. Yeah, he's always been a little distant with us, and he's very protective of his privacy, and, and I I respect all that. Um, you know, the the things you do know about him is he's very Type A. He's very hard on himself, and he can which can make him hard on others. Um. But, you know, he's he's one of these guys who's out there on social media um, and, you know, I, 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 he says he doesn't care. But I think Carson's the type of guy that really cares and probably cares too much. And maybe that's why maybe he is he, allowing the Hertz draft pick to affect him a little bit. Look, there are so many other things at play here with the coaching changes and – the, the personnel problems and the injuries and the, and the no off season that I don't think it's just this, yeah. but I, I can't discount that this is something that's probably yeah. entering his mind. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've never seen anything quite like it. I really haven't. I, uh, I just well, you know, I mean, they did it with Cobb and McNabb uh, a little, you know, to a lesser degree. I think McDonovan was 29 or 30. Yeah. And, and, and it, I, you guys were around yeah. that when it happened. I wasn't. I didn't start covering the team until 08, 09. But did you feel like it affected Donovan a little bit? Not really. I remember. Uh, uh, he was. I remember, yeah, I remember. What, 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 let's see. Was No, Donovan was still. Yeah, he was still around when Vic got here, right? And they they, yeah. they lined up. You know, they would use the Wildcat a little bit. And, yeah, and Donovan, Donovan would come back. And, was and, a, 
but I mean, Donovan was instrumental in in in, tell, in, in convincing them to sign Michael. So that yeah, was but a, he remember remember he would do stuff like he would motion to Marty, no more of those play. You like yeah he, yeah because they weren't working. You know, but and that's one of the problems here, and we're it'll be interesting to watch going forward. I mean, they've got to use this kid in packages. Uh, they got to continue to. They've got to use him more than they they. You know, right. I think that, he may be all they have in terms of di- yeah, bringing a certain dynamic to the offense. Exactly, and 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 we'll see how that affects the uh, right the quarterback. So I mean, yeah, I, you know, when he when he goes out wide in those Wildcats, he cannot be a happy camper. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, you know, we've seen Drew Brees do it now for the last several years with Taysom Hill. Um, but again, you got it. That started when Drew Brees was over thirty-five years old. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Hey, just, but, go ahead. Totally from left field, and it's not really an Eagles thing. But I'm scanning Twitter here. I don't know if you guys have seen this. Uh, the Titans have eight positives uh, for COVID and the Titans and Vikings are now suspending all operations uh, because they played uh, Sunday and uh, things wow. are a little, they don't know about games this weekend. Uh, you know, uh, so I just thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> game, wait, so games, games are game. They're, oh, cause there's, cause the, they just the play. So those two, yeah. Those two teams. The games involving those two teams this weekend are kind of in doubt as they wow look into this. Yeah, know? so they were all pat the NFL's patting themselves on the back yeah. for, for for several uh, weeks about this, and we knew it was bound well, to happen at some point. And they knew it was going to happen at some point. Uh, I mean, they've made you know internally, they have decided that it's going to have to get completely unmanageable to really to make them pass up the money. Exactly. <laughs> right right I mean, they, they feel they'll find a way and they well will, yeah, yeah right it, now, i guess this doesn't affect the eagles they play neither team this year right. but um i mean but who knows you know like it, it's bound that it, there's bound to be a team the eagles for the first time this year will really will get on a flight they're gonna fly to yeah. san francisco who knows yeah. if they can keep those guys barricaded in their rooms i don't know um my, you know my guess is when they get to the playoffs they'll do the same thing baseball's doing they'll put everybody bubbles. in a bubble yeah assuming yeah. assuming they can get to that point yeah yeah well they'll be that'll be interesting to see um i get we're, we're about almost 38 minutes into this so uh, i'm going to cut it off at this point guys but uh great conversation yeah um everyone listening to the bird's eye view podcast please uh sign up for the early birds newsletter it's uh, where you get the Every morning, there's an email that drops in your, bo- in your inbox that has links to all our stories, additional content. Go to inquire.com also to read all our stories. Again, no one really covers the birds as much as we do, so lots of great stories there each and every day. Les Damo, thank you very much, and uh, we'll talk in a few days uh, looking ahead to the Eagles game against the 49ers. This is the Birds Eye View podcast. Thanks for joining us. Take care, guys. 